0: Welcome to Startup Health Now. This is the podcast where we celebrate the most innovative entrepreneurs in health and the moonshots they're working to achieve. I'm Nicole Clark, Startup Health Senior Writer. Today, I'm pleased to be talking with Kevin Dedner, founder and CEO of Henry Health. Kevin's on a mission to increase the life expectancy of Black men by 10 years within the next 25 years. At Henry Health, he's created a digital community of licensed therapists that can provide culturally sensitive teletherapy to Black men and their families. In the last month, he's expanded his platform in a variety of ways. As you might expect, there's been an increase in the need for mental health and wellness services as a result of the pandemic, especially digitally-based ones, and especially culturally relevant ones that serve some of the hardest-hit communities. Henry Health has stepped up to the plate to help. But even before COVID-19 hit, Kevin was actively at work writing the next chapter of Henry Health. Kevin, it's great to have you on the show. I appreciate you joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. It's fun to be here.
0: So we, we have a kind of semi-regular rhythm of catching up over an interview like this um, a couple of times each year since I first met you a couple years ago in D.C. at 1776. So, But it's, um, it's been a minute since we last spoke, and You know the world is a tad more different these days. How how are you doing personally?
1: Well, you know what? First of all, thank you, thank you for asking that, Nicole. I think it was you know it it reminds me of this story when I first started um, Henry Health. Um, I was I went knee deep into you know talking to investors and 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 trying to attract you know the talent that I needed, and I probably went about. Um, five months before anyone asked me, how am I doing? So um, you know, for you to 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 remind me of that, I, I really appreciate that, and it makes me want to reach out to that to that one fellow who who before we started talking, he asked me to take a break and tell him how I was doing. I am surviving really well. Um, you know, very grateful. Um, the the pandemic has. Um, not come very close to my family. I have had um, one very distant cousin to pass away, um, but not in my immediate family. And, um, you know, my 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 children are safe and I'm safe. I did make the mistake of uh, just plunging deep into uh, work uh, when the pandemic first hit. And uh, I wrote about that publicly about what a mistake that was because I think all of us, deserve to take a step back and think about the adjustments that we need to make to survive in in this new space. And I think, you know, the first response that we society gave us was to all push forward very aggressively. Kids went to learning remotely instantly and everyone went to, you know, um, working over Zoom instantly. And uh, I actually think that that was a really bad mistake. And I suspect that that is starting to play out now um, that we're a couple weeks seeing that people realize that they are, they're working themselves at a rate that they probably shouldn't work. So t- all of that being said, thank you for asking me how I am doing. I really appreciate you doing that.
0: Yeah, it's, it is a weighted question these days. And you know, I think it's important to ask it with the intent of having a couple minutes to really talk about how the person's doing, how how we're doing, and I I hear you on that jump straight in. You know, it it would be easy to throw ourselves into work. It has been easy to do that. Um, it, it can be a distraction, right, away from the crisis. But in in essence, in part, what we're doing is almost not acknowledging some of the trauma that comes with something like a pandemic. Um, and you know, I think. Distracting ourselves away from ways that we can connect still and on on that note, my second question is you know given that we are hardwired for that connection, this time of isolation is really requiring that we get creative and how we create community what are What are some of the ways you've been able to stay connected during this time of isolation
1: yeah well it's it's interesting i've all already sort of been meeting virtually and talking with friends virtually but you know to tell you just a funny uh, side by story I had a grandmother who turned 103 years old last month and we had a virtual uh birthday party for her and it was an amazing thing to see like all of my family including my 103 grandmother uh in in this virtual birthday party so yeah I think like everyone else I've, I've sort of um, really been leaning in you know taking advantage of of, of the technology we have. I live in washington d c and on our neighbor, in our neighborhood on Fridays at seven o'clock we have a, a dance party where we play loud music in the streets and everybody comes out and dance in front of their house so um, you know these these have been like really small things, but they really have um you know, kept me very connected. And obviously I'm very connected to my team. Uh, you know, we're, it seems like we work, we're we working much, much more these days than we've worked in the past.
0: Well, a, a belated happy birthday to your grandmother. That, sound, that sounds lovely.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so un, unpacking your health moonshot a little bit, going to shift gears here to to talking about Henry Health and your work there. And, learning about how you've expanded your mission. Um, So starting starting with the former, your moonshot to increase the life expectancy of black men by 10 years. You know, uh, black men have the lowest life expectancy of any major demographic group in the US. What role does Henry Health's platform play in uh, longevity for black men and more broadly in offering culturally relevant care?
1: Well first of all, thank you f- for the question, Nicole and I think you know you're in a very unique position because um, you know you've been around the company and following the company, even following how we talk about ourselves since the inception of the company and and I just you know I want to be honest, we started here pointing out um, literally a one hundred year old problem of black men having the lowest life expectancy of any population and We know that the uh, data tells us that, you know, this low life expectancy, there's a direct correlation between unmanaged stress and untreated mental health issues. Stress is, you know, a real trigger to these um, chronic diseases that cause premature death. And so, you know, we are, are very proud to have this founding that, you know, we're bold enough to take on this problem that has really been in the forefront, Um, you know, been a problem rather for the last 100 years and no one has been bold enough to take on it. So um, I'm proud that we've done that. But it's interesting because as we've talked about the need for culturally competent teletherapy, you know, what has become clear over the last year and a half for early stage startup like us, is that there is a real need for culturally competent teletherapy. You know, the the mental health system in itself needs um, to put culture first, you know. And we talk a lot about culture first at Henry Health. uh, and, And that has been lacking in the mental health system. And so, you know, as we have been out talking with investors, obviously there's also been tension with investors thinking that our market was too niche. And so, you know, we've struggled there. And part of the reason that we struggled is, you know, we wanted to keep our integrity in our conversations with black men. You know, they, they've said to us very clearly that everything, every time something has been created for us, um, we ultimately lose it. We don't have a sacred place. We don't have a space to, um, you know, address our needs and issues. And so, you know, that has been a tension for our company, candidly, since, since our founding. Um, and it's funny, you know, when we were together in January, we started to talk about men and their families, um, having this, you know, sort of much, much broader vision that we couldn't support men if we didn't support their families. And, you know, although we've been talking about community in our model, I think just within the last two months, the concept of community has crystallized a lot more and and the the crystallization of community has also helped us to see um, Henry Health different. And so you know where we are today da, 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 is that we see Henry Health as um, a culturally intentional behavior health provider, creating um, digital communities for populations to meet their specific need. And our first community is created for black men and that community um, is, is going to be called men thrive. And, and in fact, I've not even talked about this publicly. This would be the first space that i talk about this publicly is that, so men thrive will be powered by Henry health. And, you know, you think of it sort of like a, um, there's this, um, parent, um, which is the culturally intentional behavior health is Henry health. And we intend to birth communities that, um, you know are that people can find identity in
0: tracking the the evolution of, of your company has been fascinating, and I think just the timing, as you said in the last couple of months as you guys have kind of continued in that organic change, um, you know I, I, the phrase for such a time as this comes to mind that the platform that you've been building has in some ways, added relevancy right now during the pandemic. Um, so before before talking about how you've been able to address some care gaps specifically to the pandemic, do you mind giving kind of a walkthrough of somebody that might um, come to henry-health.com and explore some of your mental health and wellness services? Um, what are what are some of those buckets of services that you're, you're currently offering within this initial... Unity of Thrive?
1: So right now our very core offering is uh, web-based therapy Um, and so you know also an an app is available. We are using a third-party platform to offer that therapy right now and we've been really focusing on building out our self-care version of our app Um, and so we expect that self-care version of the app to be available uh, at the top of the summer, which, you know, obviously is the, again, the men thrive. And there you'll see um, in the self-care community, like all of the core things that you see um, provided, like in in what I'm going to frame this as mental wellness apps. So that would be like meditations, daily motivational messaging. We'll also have some video content um, our chief community officer uh, for Men Thrive is Jeff Johnson. Uh, Jeff is going to be leading up. He has a podcast that'll be a part of the community. So, you know, we we anticipate that we're going to have this very, very dynamic community um, experience that people will have in the early version of the app. But, you know, the core offering right now is the teletherapy and as we've been testing as I think you know, and I'm not sure all the listeners will know, so I mentioned this, we train our therapists in a research-based technique that was developed by an academic at John Hopkins that helps our therapists with cultural humility. And so, you know, we've been really testing that model out by providing therapy these early years. We've also really been put, pushing out a lot of, like, self-care articles. Uh, we're providing wellness calls right now for free. Um, and meaning like people can actually uh, request a call from a therapist in the midst of COVID-19 to check on them and, and sort of give them tips on how to adjust. You know, I think, Nicole, you know, we, we, I talked a little bit earlier about all of us taking a step back and realizing what's going on. Um, I think that there's probably a lot of anxiety that people are experiencing, and it might be, you know, anxiety. Some people may be experiencing this for the first time, And not have the types of uh, tools um, in their tool bucket to deal with anxiety, and so you know we want to make sure that we're um, available to provide like that type of support to people. And you know the evolution of the community concept kind of puts us in a really unique place because you know what we're saying very boldly to people is that our services are really for everyone, um, and that you know we're going to build communities for everyone ultimately.
0: Yeah, and as far as some of the services that I've, I've seen just um, kind of by way of, of following you on LinkedIn and social um, that Henry Health has been offering are some of these, these webinars related to mental health and wellness topics. Um, there's also, I think, the, the wellness check-ins that you're offering. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how you guys have pivoted to offer some of these services during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. So when the pandemic first hit, and and this is the piece I mentioned, I wrote about it. The, the the first week after it became clear that life was not as it was, we put together a webinar series, and we just wrapped up the first webinar series uh, last week. And these webinars have been free and open to the public. Um, I think there were a total of five webinars, and those webinars are going to be or they should be available even they they may already be up on our website that people can go back and view those webinars but you know what what we wanted to do was to make sure that we helped people adjust. Um, Our audience um, Nicole has not been um, traditionally exposed to therapy and so it's, it's interesting we've seen these webinars as a way to um, start to to get people in relationship with us to start accessing therapy. Another thing that we've done in the midst of COVID nineteen, like we we significantly reduced the cost of therapy on our um, platform. Like there's there's not a better deal candidly in the country right now in terms of paying for therapy uh, than what we offer if you're paying out of pocket. Uh, and if you live in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, we also have Agreements in place with major payers, so you may not even have to, to to pay. So yeah, it's it's a you know I think all of the mental health companies are reporting um, an increase in services and demand. You know we've seen that too, uh, and we're trying to make sure that we improve like our that user journey that we can get people into therapy much quicker.
0: So, to to kind of summarize there, the the webinars that you've been offering throughout the pandemic the those recordings are going to be available on your website and then for anybody that would be interested in um kind of the the standard community um, and culturally sensitive care that you're offering that can also be accessed people can sign up for that from from your website as well
1: yes absolutely
0: okay so for this last part of our conversation uh kind of turning the focus to the future if you will by studying the present as you mentioned this this pandemic it it became very clear you know early early in the year that this pandemic was changing the course of history and to that end i think it's important to start the conversation now about where we want to end up in particular having a conversation um, about the role that racism plays in this pandemic and overall in health and wellness. So to put this next part of that conversation in context, I, I wanted to reference an article from mid-April in The Atlantic. It was written by Ibram X. Kendi, the director of the Anti-Racist Research and Policy Center at American University. He, he wrote a powerful essay highlighting data that was gathered by his research center, and the Atlantic's COVID Tracking Project. And in this essay, he essentially confirmed what we know, that the disparities between the size of the Black population and the percentage of Black people infected with, hospitalized with, or who have passed away from COVID-19, those disparities appear to be the most severe in the Black community. And in his essay, Kendi asks what he calls the question of the hour why are Black people generally being infected and dying at higher rates than other racial groups? Backing a little bit up from that, Kevin, when you and I first met, you introduced me to the theory of John Henryism, a theory backed by the research of Sherman James, whose thesis was that when resilient people work hard within a system that's not afforded them with the same opportunities as others, their physical health deteriorates. So, my question is how how does john henryism uh, and some of those underlying philosophies of henry health how how does that impact the racial disparities we're seeing in the pandemic and in the pandemic response
1: yeah wow well it i you know it's funny because i've i've not talked about this publicly um but i've been very silently frustrated about this because i i think you know, what, when we see this, this disproportionate death and particularly Nicole Algo stuff further, you know, the, the data is also showing that black men are, are, are severely impacted here. Um, it, it, it goes, but just back to the core of, of why we even started Henry Health. Um, you know, what, what is true is prolonged stress breaks down your immune system and makes you more susceptible to disease. And so what we see a lot in these COVID-19 um, deaths is that people have preexisting conditions, um, diabetes, hypertension, etc., cetera, that has weakened their Im- immune system and make them more susceptible um, to COVID-19. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's been, I've, I've sort of been very silently frustrated because I, I think you know, what what I am convinced of is that if we can help people manage their stress and their anxiety differently, that they will have different health outcomes. And so, you know, I think if, if someone hasn't done their homework, when we talk about like stress and anxiety connected to COVID-19 deaths, that would seem like a stretch but it's it's really not a stretch. It is you know what the, the, the major question here is like what has caused these immune systems to be so weakened that they're more susceptible to disease to to death in covid nineteen
0: are there Are there any kind of overarching insights or words of encouragement maybe from um, the you know the Henry, Henry health therapists and counselors that can be shared to help those that feel like their narrative is either underreported or improperly addressed during COVID-19?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, and this is the beauty of us training um, our therapists in this evidence-based technique that helps them with their cultural responsiveness and humility. And, and as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that we've been saying internally a lot lately is culture first. Um, and our therapists are trained to examine culture first. And so and the good news about where we are right now, if there's any sort of good, like a way to examine and look at this in a good way, and that is, you know, that you and I are having this discussion. We're, we're, we're saying, why is it that this is the case? And it puts, you know, this, this, this sort of, the, the John Henryism sort of discussion back on the table, like what is happening over time when people work harder, um, they're more stressed out, like what happens to their immune system? And I think, you know, the the good news here is that I think that, you know, on the post-pandemic world, and we're already starting to see some of this, is that we're going to see some real policy solutions that we're going to be rethinking, um, you know, how we live. And I think that that's going to be important because I also think that there's going to be like a legacy of pandemic, you know, even in the mental health space. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, that, you know, we'll have like a whole new set of issues, people dealing with anxiety, people dealing with, you know, this sort of transition of trying to get back into work after having been out of work. And then, you know, obviously there are, you know, 30 million people have lost their jobs. And, you know, so, you know, just even the stress and strain of that uncertainty about their future is, you know, it's, I think that, that we have really not even begun to understand that impact. But, you know, I, I think that our therapist, um, you know, what, what I have been so pleased with is that, like, my personal experience is, like, was always honored. Um, and, when, and I'm actually speaking of, like, Tony, our chief clinical officer now. But I know that that's how he has trained Um, our therapists to interact with clients that, you know, their personal experience is honored. And so I think for people who are seeking care, um, it's really important that people honor the experience that they're having right now and, you know, speak to the exact narrative of of what's happening in their lives.
0: I think it's an interesting point, like you said, of just, you know, some of the potentially positive fallout that we might see as far as policy changes and even colloquially as a a more normalized adoption of mental health practices, um, kind of coming out of the shadows of talking about the fact that we see therapists Um, are there, you know, I think personally, I find myself more comfortable talking with my parents who didn't come from a generation of seeking mental health, of talking to them about it. And, you know, that's one type of positive change, I guess, that has been instigated by this pandemic. Are, are there other changes like that or things that you hope will stick as far as thinking about that post-pandemic world?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think there are a lot of changes that are going to come out of this. I think, you know, for me personally, I, I mentioned, um, you know, this, this Zoom family reunion that I had a couple months ago, I think that families are becoming more connected than ever before. Um, You know, I think all of us have sort of been so busy that we didn't, you know, make the time to stop and check on each other. No one ever, you know, there were plenty of cell phones around my grandmother who's 103 years old, but I probably only saw her twice a year and that was in person. Although there were phones around her that had video features, right? So I think you know, like there's this normalizing of of like how we interact differently, and 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 also not just it's 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 a very sincere in, interaction because we you know we truly want to see how each other are doing, and I I think on the other side of that, Nicole is you know we should be revisiting how we work, um, you know maybe the five day work week shouldn't be anymore, and maybe. You know, children shouldn't go to school exactly five days. Maybe they have a, uh, you know, a day and a half at home or so, and maybe the work week is looks a little bit different. So I, I think it's, you know, I think if we handle this period right, that it's an opportunity for us to reexamine, um, life totally. And I, honestly, I've, I've been watching these like reopen, um, committees that states are starting to put together, and I, I'll tell you, I've been really disappointed. I haven't heard people. Um, talk about like, you know, um, reimagining what work looks like as we reopen our economies, because I think that, you know, um, the thesis of our founding is around unmanaged stress and untreated stress for, for, for Black men. But what we know is that that is an American problem that we're all overstressed and overworked. And so I think that, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to like rethink those things that are stressing us out and bringing our lives out of balance.
0: Well, every time I have a conversation with you, I certainly leave rethinking a lot of things. And this conversation is no different. I I really appreciate you joining me today, Kevin, and for taking the time.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be here. And I, I appreciate the um, opportunity to visit with you because you helped me collect my thoughts in a way that <laughs> is very helpful to me. <laughs> so thank you for that. It's, yeah, a good, a good interview is, is also good for, you know, the person who's like, you know, wrestling with these issues every day because you help me organize my thoughts much better. So I'm grateful for that, Nicole.
0: I, I call it thinking with my mouth.
1: <laughs> Thank you for
0: that. <laughs> well, you can learn more about Henry Health at henry And I encourage you to follow them also on LinkedIn and their social media. Um, you do a great job, Kevin, of putting out resources and information that's easily accessible and relevant. So thanks for joining us. Tune in next time here on Startup Health. Now, our podcast about the health transformers who are achieving health moonshots.